0: I think I neglected to to mention that we have some visitors today in our services and we, we appreciate having people stop by and visit on Sundays and so we want to say welcome. Okay at this time we'll have Pastor Joel's come. I just wanted to say I re- remember back when I used to go to Bible Camp years and years ago his, his parents were we're always at the camp and he had his older brother was there and so I we go back a number of years and so we haven't had much contact in the meantime but uh we're we're welcome or we're glad to have pastor joels come and speak today thank you so much it is a real privilege to be here can you hear me okay with this If you pull it up, is that better? Okay. Um, Thanks for praying for me today. I bet you were praying. I'm featured with Continental Baptist Missions as a missionary to pray for today, and I'm really grateful for that. I wasn't sure I was going to make it, and I have a Ford Exploder, I think they call it. And this is the second time when I've been making a trip where it's giving me a bunch of grief, leaping like a frog. Last time it was, um, wires were burning off on the manifold. It's uh, just a strange truck. Um, but it, it helps develop my prayer life, so it's a good thing. Um, I have some handouts. I made 80 of them, I don't think that's enough. And you're welcome to them if you wish. I just would ask you not to read ahead. Um, If you do that, it'll help you to be able to um, follow. And this is really personal to me. Um, I had the privilege of going through a number of challenges in my life, and all of us will at some point. And um, if you live long enough, by the time you get white in your beard, you'll have some challenges. And some of you will never get white in your beard. In fact, some of you hope you never do grow a beard. But um, God is always there with us. I'd like to start with praying. Last week we talked about keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. And I don't know if, oftentimes it seems like people remember the illustrations and don't remember the sermon. So I'm going to give you an illustration I don't think you're going to forget. Don't ever turn back. The book of Hebrews is written to say, don't turn back. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Keep them focused there. Don't get focused on the storm. Don't get focused on what others are doing. Don't get focused on self. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. A Sunday school teacher was telling her kids about the danger of looking back, about how that Lot's wife turned back and what happened to her, she turned into a pillar of salt. And we're told to remember Lot's wife. And then little boy said, teacher, that's nothing. My mommy is taking me to school, and she turned back and turned into a telephone pole. <laughs> Don't turn back. No man putting his hand on the plow and turning back is worthy of following God. Oh, this week, I had just felt that God had me just talk about trials. It's really dangerous when you're preaching, because oftentimes you get to practice what you preach. It's been a very interesting week for me. Um, you know, a jaw that, I didn't want to get rid of it, but it sure hurt me to keep it. <laughs> and to put me on Augmentin for my jaw. It's doing a lot better now. But a number of other things are coming up, too. But I discovered in trials, God is always there. He's always there. We're never alone. He's always there for us. And that makes all the difference in the world. And so i like us to pray, and then I'll ask um, some young man. You're pretty young. um, If you pass these out. um, Here's another young man. Thank you. Thanks. I've got another pile here. Okay. (laughs) So, um, uh, being by yourself is scary sometimes, Um, feeling like you're all alone. Any of you guys ever go caving? Caving? Do you ever do spelunking? Caving? Everyone caving? Off 123 near Rexford, there was the Henry River Cave, um, the longest cave in, in Michigan. And I used to take kids, when I was teaching school, I used to take them through that cave. And I also took kids from a youth group through that cave. And I remember one time I was taking these kids through and my light fell down and went out. I was going through the goop loop. it's like... You have to wiggle uh, through it. It, it, You can't even get on your hands and knees. You just got to wiggle like a a worm going through the goop loop. And there were people ahead of me and people behind me. And I was in this hole in the ground about that big around. And all of a sudden, I got claustrophobic (laughs) with my light gone. And you know, I prayed, of course. (laughs) I was a lot younger back then. And, a, and Mike was ahead of me, moved a little bit, and all of a sudden I could see a light in the main room I had, and I was just fine. We all need that hope. We need that light. <laughs> and that light is God. He is always there for us. Let's pray. Dear Father, right now, we desperately need you. We're asking that you take your word and apply it to our heart and life and minister to us. And Father, use us to encourage us and, Lord, teach us so we can teach others. Thank you that you're always there for us. Lord, I am supposed to thank you in the midst of trial, and I thank you for some of the challenge I had today. I thank you for this dear church. Lord, bless each one here. Keep us faithful to you until Jesus returns. Father, may we shine so brightly for you. The people will see our good works and glorify you. Lord, prepare us for the storms of life. Thank you, you've given us everything we need for life and for godliness. And Father, we ask if anyone here today does not know that joy of having a friend that's with them forever, does not know that joy of having Jesus as Savior, of having their sins forgiven in a home in heaven. Today may they come to know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love storms. I think storms are just great. My dad would always take me outside and we'd watch when a thunderstorm would come and the clouds were all dark and almost like blue black and the light we'd see the lightning and hear the thunder and it would just I loved it. And I was safe with my dad. He was five foot seven inches tall. I knew nothing could hurt him. He could protect me from bears or anything else. And I always enjoyed the storm. But I enjoyed the storm because I felt safe. I don't enjoy driving through a hard rain. Do you? Or a blizzard. Because I don't feel safe. I hope that as you go through this, you recognize that when we go through storms of life, that we're safe. Um, I realize that the reason that cancer is scary is because... Um, we're afraid of pain, <laughs> radiation, chemotherapy, oh, and bills we can't pay, right? Oh, independence, right? Weakness and dependence on other people. I just got my bill. Uh, last December, they said I had cancer, and I just got my final bill. And you know what's scary about it? Not sure how I'm going to pay it. <laughs> I said, I'll pay a little bit at a time. With God, nothing is scary. Nothing. We're secure with God. Two verses I, or two passions I want you to look at. This is a verse we're going to be really working with. John 16, 33. John chapter 16, verse 33. Remember, this is done during this um, last day of Jesus' life here on earth. And there's just a the wonderful passage. <laughs> there's some wonderful passages here. And the final things he shared with his disciples. But in John 16, he makes a promise that I wish he hadn't made. He says this. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. I like that. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I wish I hadn't said, in this world you have tribulation, eh? We can have peace in Christ. And I hope, as you look at this, you can see how. I discovered when I lost my wife suddenly of a massive heart attack, that despite having done a hundred funerals or so myself, and despite being friends with, um, literally friends with funeral directors, it was different when it happened to my own wife. And all of a sudden, I didn't think quite as clearly as I normally would have. And I'm so grateful that I already had all these verses to help me and to comfort me. And the first verse that God gave me that I hung onto like a life preserver was Psalm 147, verse 3, which says. He healeth the broken heart and binds up their wounds. And boy, I sure was wounded. <laughs> and I can say God does heal. That's not on your sheet. That's free. Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. But in me you'll have what? Peace. Peace. He said, this verse comforted me when I lost my best friend in high school. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. You need to let it be afraid. Yeah. God's peace isn't dependent upon circumstances. God's peace is an all-encompassing peace. He gives us a formula for his peace. Any of you guys here, can you quote to me Philippians 4, 4 through 7? You probably weren't as bad a worry word as I was. I had thought that worrying was probably a good thing because someone told me that 90% of what you worry about never happens. So it must do some good, right? It doesn't work that way. <laughs> Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord. And again I say rejoice. It's repeated. We rejoice in the Lord, no matter what our circumstances are. Verse 5 says, Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. God is right there. So don't worry about it. Don't lose your cool. God is right there with you. Verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing or be worried about nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Let the peace of God keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. What do you do? Rejoice in God, not your circumstance. Keep focused on God. Two, remember He's right at hand. Don't lose your cool. <laughs> Three, give your request to God with thanksgiving. And then the peace of God will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. God's formula for peace. I can only thank God when I give him my request if I believe he's going to work things out for my good and for his glory. God promised us his peace. He will never leave us nor forsake us, Hebrews 13, 5. Oh, and he can supply all our need. If you ever get really worried sometime, read Matthew 6. Remember when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said, you know, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil or spin, and yet even Solomon, with all the wonderful robes he had on, in all of his glory, he wasn't arrayed like one of these flowers. I didn't used to like flowers until I met Linda. I thought flowers didn't last very long, and they're pretty worthless. They are pretty, but they didn't last very long. And some of them even stunk. Do you ever smell it? Do you ever smell an orchid? Don't. It's a saprophyte. It's like, it's like a mushroom. Okay, it doesn't smell so great. It looks pretty. But they are. <laughs> no matter how beautifully we dress, won't be as pretty as a flower. He said, look at the birds. I take care of the birds. They're more valuable than they are. Many then he said in, so seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And don't worry about tomorrow. Take no thought for tomorrow for tomorrow will take thought for things of itself sufficient to the day is evil thereof. What I wrote down here is God not only will never leave us nor forsake us and you know, supply all of our need but this is what I should have added. God will give you grace to go through what you will go through, not what you imagine will go through. Do you ever imagine something awful is going to happen? Do you ever worry? I have. I've been learning to not do that. What do you think I worry about the most right now? Kids, do you worry about your kids though? Do you think that God loves your kids as much as you do? Think he loves them more than you do? How about your grandkids? Do you think he can take care of them? He can. He can take care of your kids better than I can. Wow. So don't worry. We pray with thanksgiving. And as we give God thanks, that's an act of faith knowing he's going to take all of these circumstances and work them all for our good and for his glory. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4:13. Anybody here quote verse 12? I saw a hand go up I think back there. No. Paul said, I've learned whatever state I'm in, therewith to be content. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. That's talking primarily about a peace of our mind and heart, right? Yeah. I have learned to be content. First Timothy says, godliness with contentment is great gain. God can give us grace. When the Apostle Paul had a challenge in life, and the older you get, the more challenges you have. Look at my hands. They've been smashed. (laughs) Um, I don't walk as fast as I did. My hair's turned white. I've got lines in my face. Uh, My joints go in the morning when I get up. Instead of my cereal going snap, crackle, pop, my joints do. And yet God's grace is sufficient. And I actually enjoy being a little bit older. It's fun. People open doors for you. When you drop something, people pick it up for you. Have you noticed that? That's fun. David said, Lord, when I'm old and gray-headed, forsake me not. If you're not there already, you're going to get there someday. God won't forsake you. With God, the Lord Jesus Christ, we're safe. Romans 8, 38, 39 tells us nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. Amen. Romans 8 starts out with saying there's no condemnation. It ends with saying there's no separation. No condemnation than we're in Christ Jesus. No separation from the love of God. Praise God for that. In the middle, <laughs> it says, He that spared not a son, but delivered him up for us all, shall he not with us with him also freely give us all things. Romans 8.32. God answers prayer, hey? In Romans 8.28, most of you can quote that, right? Quote it together. And we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. But you've got to put 29 with it. For we are his, what does it say then? For when we did foreknow, he did predestinate, be conformed, the image of what? His son, Jesus. It doesn't mean when something, when I lose my money, I'll get all my money back. It doesn't mean when I lose my health, I'll get my health back. But it means that God will use these things in my life to make me more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's God's goal. He has begun that good work in you, will complete perform at the day of Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate us from God's love. John 10, 27 and 28, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. You know, God knows you. You guys, you love your kids, right? Any of you, can you tell me how many hairs they have on their head? You don't really love them like God does, hey. Matthew 12, Jesus said, "I don't even know how many hairs you've got in your head. I really love you. And He knows us. If you wonder how much God knows you, turn to sometime turn to Psalm 139. It really comforted my heart. I had to go down to the big city of Grand Rapids. I'd never ridden an escalator, and I felt so alone. There are so many people, and I felt so lonely. And I read Psalm 139 and said, yeah, God knows me. He sent me before, and he knows all about me. He even knows my thoughts before I think them. When we're with Jesus our Savior, we're safe. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, John 10, 27. And they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father that gave them me is greater than all, and no man shall pluck them out of my father's hand. We're safe. A few years ago, I had the privilege of caring for my nephew, David. I don't know if any of you have gone up to some of the falls uh, up in the copper country. Ever been to Jacob's Falls? Anyway, um, he was 13, 13. And we went up to the falls and walked up the falls, and then he decided he was afraid to come down. And I said, "You know, I, I don't want to bring you breakfast." And so, um, I'll take your hand. You be safe. You won't slip. You won't fall. I'll, I'll hold on to you, and just come on down with me. So no, 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 Dad. I, I want to grab. I want to grab your hand. <laughs> you want to get hang hang on to me. Why do you think I said I would grab his hand? Because I didn't trust him. You might let go, right? You know, he was scared to death until he slipped, and he found himself hanging by one arm. I had his hand. Picture that with God. God will never let you go. Never, never, never let you go. Sometimes you feel like you're hanging on by one arm, but he's there, he's got you. When we truly know Jesus is Savior, we're safe. These things, now they're listed, one, two, three, helped me in going through trials. Number one, God is not punishing you. He's not punishing you. God is not punishing you. The Bible tells us, there is therefore no condemnation of them who are in Christ Jesus. God sees you in Jesus' righteousness. Because Jesus paid the penalty for your sin in full on the cross. You are not being punished. Therefore being justified by faith. We have peace with God. As Romans 5 1, Romans 8 1, 2 Corinthians 5 21, He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we would be made the righteousness of God in him. Number two, God might chasten you. What's the difference? When your dad, did your dad ever spank you? Don't raise your hand. When you spanked did Hebrews say, "This hurts me more than it hurts you?" And I said, well, why am I crying?" Hey? He really was doing it for my own good. Whenever God gives us a paddling, it's for our own good. Turn please, to Hebrews. Um, chapter 12 verse 5 through 11. I really want you to get a hold of this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 through 11. He you forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son... Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when without rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he in whom the Father chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you're bastards not son. In other words, illegitimate sons. Furthermore, we've had fathers after flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards it yieldeth the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. What does that say? A couple things. Number one, it says that God will chasten you because he loves you. Right? As a little kid, I'll admit this, don't tell anybody, but we were down in Green Bay at the end of a cul-de-sac street. And, oh, there's some wonderful stuff they're doing out in the road out there. They were tarring the street. And I was about three, I think. And I got out in the tar. What do you think my mom did? You think she let me go and play in traffic? Oh, no, no, no. By the time my mom got down with me, I knew we were never supposed to go out and play in the street again, even if there's wonderful stuff like tar out there. If your mom lets you play in traffic, it's not because she loves you. God keeps us on a short leash. Why? Because he loves us. Last week I said, This book is right and it's also smart. We sometimes think of God's rules as, as cages holding us in to keep us from having fun. Not so. I noticed along U.S. 28, some places there's guardrails. You ever see the guardrails along U.S. 28? Do you ever say, they shouldn't have a guardrail there. I should be allowed to drive in the ditch if I want to. Any of you ever say that? Don't be shy. Raise your hand. (laughs) None of you? Why? Because a guardrail is there for what? Your protection. Right? So are God's rules. And so is God's chastening. When we're exercised by it, it makes us better Christians, better followers of God. Our fathers sometimes, I said here, chases after their own pleasure. Sometimes, I hope you never do it. But sometimes parents discipline kids because they're mad. God doesn't do that. It's always for a profit. So God will never punish you, although he may chasten you. I think usually you'll know. Sometimes these trials in our life are so we bear more fruit. John 15, 4, Jesus talking about the vine and the vine dresser. He said, every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, they may bring forth more fruit, more fruit. Our trial might be an attack of Satan because we are following God in his will. Uh, Turn please to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, we'll read this 35 through 41. And the same day, when evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he went in the ship. And they were also with them other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat on the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And he feared exceedingly, saying one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Think about that for a moment. To me, you know what the saddest part of that story is? The disciples who'd been with Jesus for some time said unto him, What? Don't you care that we perish? Don't you care that we perish? Sometimes in the middle of a trial, we can feel like God's asleep or he's not there. He's not asleep. I think my, one of my favorite Christmas carols um, is a song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, written by Longfellow. He had thought he had lost three sons in the Civil War. And you know, it says, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, the carols play. Loud and sweet the words repeated, peace on earth, good will to men. And he said, he shook his head and said, there's no peace on earth, I said. <laughs> and then he realized peace was in God. He thought he lost three sons. Turns out one was in, in prison, and one was missing in action. And only one was killed. We can think sometimes God's not there. We think sometimes God doesn't care for us. If God cared for us, why do you allow this to happen? But he does care. God knows the end from the beginning. I think I told you last week that the verse that gave me great comfort was there in in James chapter 5, verse 11, 12, where it said, consider the end of the Lord. He's pitiful and of tender mercy. You can hang on the, the character of God and his promises when you don't understand his purpose. You don't understand what he's doing. He does care that you perish. And he is not only the sovereign God who can rebuke the wind and the waves, but he's also loving God. He really loves you. In this case, the disciples went through a trial because they were following God in his will. The Lord Jesus Christ was right with them. You remember the story of Job? Job chapter 1, verse 8 through 12. And 2, 3 through 8. You remember that Job had no clue what was going on. But there was a, a, a spiritual battle going on. And God had said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Oh, he's a good man. He hates evil. And Job said, Well, yeah, but you blessed him so much. You put a hedge around him. I can't even touch him. Doesn't that give you comfort? You know, God can put a hedge around you so Satan can't touch you. I like that. We'll never know what God has protected us from. You'll never know when you go on a trip in a car what God has protected you from. You pray before you get in a car? Hope so. Job lost everything he had. He lost all of his cattle, all of his sheep, everything he had, camels. He lost everything. He'd even lost his children. And he said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord, and he falls down and worships. And then Satan, when challenged again, Satan said, well, a man will give everything he has for his skin. You take away his his health and see what he does. And he had boils all over himself, and he he scraped himself, sitting on on a pile of ashes. And his wife said, oh, Job, curse God and die. He said, now he speaks like a foolish woman. So we receive good at the hand of God and not evil. And all this, Job didn't sin. Why did Job suffer? Because he was bad? His friends said, Job, you must have done something awful. No, because he was good, because he followed God. Sometimes you suffer for being good. Do you ever have someone mad at you? Because you were good? Think about this. Any guys, you ladies ever hang up your wash? You ever hang up beautiful white sheets on the line? Did it ever snow? Do the white sheets look so white when they compare the snow? They don't. Sometimes people are angry at us because just by the way we live, they feel convicted. Oftentimes I've found out the person who gives me the hardest time is one that's most ready to accept Jesus as Savior. Because they're under conviction. A really miserable person is someone under conviction who hasn't yielded yet. God gave us everything we need to stand against Satan. I'm sure you can probably quote Ephesians 6, 10 through through 17. I'd like you to remember this part. It says, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Why? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against what? Spiritual weakness in high places. Does someone here trust me? Brother, do you trust me? You trust me. He's never the enemy. Do you know why? He's flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, are we? We're in a spiritual battle. Sometimes Satan can use people to really get at us. Our bosses, even friends to discourage us, Uh, even Christians sometimes. But nobody that's flesh and blood is the real enemy. The real enemy is the old devil. And we need to pray that God will work on hearts and draw people to himself. <clears throat> of uh, spiritual armor, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, feet shall that preparation the gospel of peace, loins geared about with truth. What I really appreciate is verse 18. Verse eighteen, I'd like you to turn there, please. Ephesians chapter six, verse eighteen. Ephesians chapter six, verse eighteen. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereinto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Praying and watching in the Spirit for all saints. Why is that in the same passage that talks about our spiritual armor? I think it's because the part of my armor is your prayer. Praying in the spirit for the other saints. Do we each pray for each other? Do we ever see someone going through a hard time? What do you do? <sighs> I think as Christians, when someone's going through a hard time, we're supposed to kick them, aren't we? No, that's not it. <laughs> we're supposed to pray for them. Even if they fall in sin. Galatians 6 2 says, What? They that are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of meekness, taking heed lest you also fall. When we see someone falling in sin and reach out to them and help them, we need to say, Therefore, for the grace of God goes me. Part of my armor is your prayer. God's given us the armor to stand against the old devil. Huge part of it. It's a shield of faith. Trusting God instead of trusting Satan. Satan will try to get you to believe all sorts of lies. He'll try to make you think that God doesn't love you or you're not forgiven or that you're not worth anything. Don't believe that. God doesn't make junk, but even more importantly, you're valuable because of what God paid for you. Any of, you, any of you see some of this horrible Picasso art? Any of you see Picasso art? I hate to call it art. It looks terrible. I drew better than that in kindergarten, but they wouldn't pay me anything for my, my artwork. How valuable is it? To me, it's worthless. But it's very valuable because someone is willing to pay millions of dollars for it. hey. What was someone willing to pay for you? His life. You're valuable. Don't let Satan make you think that you're not. Satan wants to intimidate us. We can stand against him because we can stand in authority. First Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom he resists steadfast in the faith. And James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The Bible tells us the Lord Jesus Christ, when he ascended to heaven, ascended far above all principality and power. The Bible tells us that he made a show of them openly when he defeated them, when he died and rose from the dead. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that somebody at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, the glory of God the Father. I have authority to resist Satan. I'm not stronger than he is, but I have authority. We had a little um, guy He was a grade behind me. His name was Chucky. Chucky was really little. Seemed like he never grew more than four feet, but I'm sure he did. But he was really little. He played, played chess really well. We played chess with each other. And you know, Chucky became a detective uh, in the police force. If one day Chucky was driving along and, and he motioned for me to pull over, do you think I'd pull over? I say, I wonder if I can take Chucky on. Would you say that? No. No, because if Chucky pulled me over, he'd have all the authority of the county and the state of Michigan behind him. He had authority to pull me over. We have authority to resist Satan. Satan. When we we submit ourselves to God, we have authority to resist Satan. God gives everything we need. We don't have to fear anything in life or in death because nothing can separate us. Number five, number six, Jesus, our our perfect example, used the word of God to resist Satan. In Matthew 4, you remember he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God, and, he also, and then he said, uh, you bow down only to God, him only shalt thou, thou serve. If you have a struggle in your life with some area, it's good to memorize scripture. And when you feel tempted, quote that to yourself. Number seven. He said, remember who God is. He's pitiful, tender mercy. That should be verse 11, not 10. James Five, 11. And with God, nothing's impossible. You remember when Mary said, Lord, how can these things be since I know not any man? And what did the angel say? With God, nothing's impossible. We can do all things through Christ. This strengthens us. Um, verse number 8. We go to God with prayer. He understands our weakness. I love Psalm 103. Especially the part it says, our sins are separated from us as far as the east is from the west, which is infinite. There's a, about 12,000 miles between the north and south pole. There's no east and west pole. You can go forever east or go forever west. Our sins are infinitely separated from us and totally inaccessible as far as if, as if they were in the deepest sea. But also, Psalm 103, verse 14 says, Like as a father pitied his children, so the Lord pitied them that fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we're dust. I had the privilege of teaching my son to walk. I was so proud of him. He'd take those first stumbling steps and kind of, you ever watch your kids? Kind of like this, hang on to something. And I bragged on him. I had people come over and say, Oh, you gotta watch Russell. He's he knows how to walk now. And he started to walk and he fell down. So you know what I did? I picked him up and beat him, right? How could you embarrass me that way? Is that what I did? No. I didn't beat him. I wiped his tears, picked him up, said, and then tried again. Said, Come on, Russell, you can do it. You can do it. Come on. God is doing it with us. He's saying, Come on, you can do it. He knows our weakness. And He loves us anyway. He knows all about us and loves us anyway. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. When we go to prayer, to Him in prayer, He knows our weakness. We go boldly to the throne of grace, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. And we pray so we don't enter into temptation. When we do fall, God is willing to forgive, cleanse, and restore us to fellowship with himself. Don't let the old devil trick you into thinking that you're not forgiven just because you don't feel forgiven or that you're not able to serve again. He's accused of the brethren. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 says, He accused us day and night before the throne of God. I'm thankful for 1 John chapter 2. Verse 1 and 2 and 3. My little children, these things I write to you that you sin not. And if any man sin with an advocate of the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. An advocate, a lawyer pleading our case. Jesus never lost a case. So picture this. Satan comes before God and says, look at that Ted Joels. Look what he did. Ha! Look what he thought. Look how he failed. And Jesus said, oh, (laughs) I paid for Ted's sin as though I had done it. And I gave him my righteousness so he had done it when he put his trust in me as Savior. Jesus' righteousness was imputed to me. Is there anything wrong with my righteousness? Of course, the old devil has to turn tail and flee. Our advocate, Jesus Christ, never lost a case. What if your heart so condemned you? As I said last week, 1 John chapter 3, verse 20 says, If our heart condemns us, God is greater than the heart and knows all things. I am not going to go through every verse on here. I hope that you take this home and you go through the rest of them. There are a couple of things I'd like to share. I think it's terribly important. Number 10. God himself indwells us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, What? Knowing not your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Romans 1, 4 says that the Holy Spirit enables us to live the Christian life. Uh, Galatians 5, 16 says, Walk in the Spirit, shall so not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, I would encourage you, if you struggle with this, read Romans 6, chapter 6 and Romans chapter 8. Then look at chapter 7. That's what living in your own strength is like. Um, the second thing I want you to look at, number, number 11. God places limits on our trials. Satan could only touch Job as far as God allowed him to. God never allows more than we can bear. Can you quote 1 Corinthians 10, 13? How about 10, 12? Let him that standeth take heed lest he fall. First Corinthians 10 13. There's no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. I remember when I was taking care of my mom and my dad. My dad had heart issues. My mom had a brain tumor. Actually, several brain tumors. And one day I said, God, I can't take it anymore. I just can't stand anymore. I can't do this anymore. You know what happened? That night, my dad died. God gives you the strength to go through whatever you have to go through. (sighs) Number 12. Keep focused on having and pleasing God. And in the end, it'll be worth it all. Last week, we looked at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. We're told, "Wherefore, for a singer and comest about with such a great a to of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that easily besets us and run with patience race before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy I set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and I sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Um, trials are tough, but they're worth it. Romans chapter eight um, verse, this is under number 12, 18. "The suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that we revealed in us. And of God before us, who can be against us? Romans 8:31. Um, he hears our fervent prayer. His eyes are open to our needs. Psalm thirty four fifteen, and he delights to answer. If he'd send his son Jesus to die for us, there's nothing he wouldn't do. The last, the last one I want to share with you. Jesus told Peter, "Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you." You know, Jesus is praying for you right now. Hebrews chapter seven verse thirty five. He ever lived to make intercession for us. He's praying for you and you and you and you and me, right now. And this, the Bible says that sometimes we have not because we ask not. And in Psalm eighty-one ten, we're told, "Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it." I hope when I get to heaven, I'm known as a man with a big mouth. I don't know what you're going through. I'm pretty sure some of you are going through trials or maybe all of you are going through trials. What I do know is that God's word is true. And God will take you through this and bring you out the other side. I know we could pray for each other and with each other and uplift one another and bear one another's burdens. And I do know this also. Your faith is authenticated to their trials. The world is watching you. When anybody can be cheerful and do well when things are going well for them, when you're going to a trial and you're still cheerful and still trusting God, that says something. I used to burn coal. And we get this nasty soot in a pipe. You ever clean out a, a pipe with soot in it? I taught chemistry and earth science and a few other science classes for about 10 years. And I discovered the difference between that black soot and a diamond was simply heat and pressure. May may God make diamonds out of all of us. Let's pray. Father, I don't know where our hearts are today. And Father, some of us may really be hurting really badly. Father, I thank you heal the broken heart. You bind up their wounds. I thank you, is your grace sufficient for us? Lord, I thank you that we can trust your promises. Lord, that you're not a man, you should lie. We hang on to your promises when we don't understand your purpose, what you're doing. Dear Father, I pray there's as goal for through these trials, we we shine brighter for you. Dear Father, use us to your glory. Give us grace. Give us a great sense of your presence. We know you're with us. Father, give us a great sense of your love and of your presence. Demonstrate your love and your power in each of our lives. Especially comfort the hearts here that are hurting. And Father, there be anybody here not saved today. May they come to know you. In Jesus' name we pray. There we head bow and eye closed. May